Welcome and thanks for tuning in to our podcast. My name is Donovan, my wife Jessica and I are the lead pastors here at Destiny Church Praha. We know that today's message will bless and encourage you because the Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. If you want to connect in with us, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media or visit our website at destinypraha.com. Let's get into the Word. Club for Jesus this time. If you're from where I'm from, that's a typical pre-sermon statement. If that was for the preacher, then it's good, but if it's for Jesus, then it's too low. Okay, well, it is an honor to stand before you today to preach, bring God's word to you. I want to thank uh, our pastors, Jess and Don, for the opportunity to uh, not just preach, but preach the last sermon in our series of uh, Mind Games. It's been wonderful, just everything that has come from this series. And I hope and pray that every one of us has been touched one way or another through this uh, series of teaching. And today we're going to be rounding it off, and I hope that we do it well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you because you are a faithful God. You have won the battle. And we can be confident in that. Our faith is anchored in the fact that Jesus, you just you don't you didn't just come into this world as a good guy, but you came as a savior and You defeated death, hell, and the grave, and you rose in victory. Now we have hope, God, that we're going to rise just as you did, and we're going to be seated in heavenly places. We know that even now, spiritually, we're seated in heavenly places with you, Jesus. But we have hope that at the end, when that day comes, we will be seated in glory, clothed in the glory of the Father with you, the Lamb. And so we thank you for that. We know the enemy, as long as we're still on this earth, God, we know that the enemy, the prince of this world, as you called him, Jesus, he's going to do everything he can to snatch us away, to derail us, to cause us to lose focus. But God, I pray that you keep us focused on you, that we keep our eyes set on you, on the victory And on the prize of heaven, in Jesus' name, amen. So we have been on a series of mind games. And uh, Jess and Don have preached on this series already. And some of the things that we've heard so far is that the enemy, the devil, is the father of... Yes, he is the father of lies. And a lie can only be counted... With the truth. And we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so it is only with him and through him that we can counter the lies of the enemy. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when the devil in the form of a serpent comes to Eve and starts to create doubt in her mind. Sows seeds of doubt in her mind. First of all, he asks a question, did God really say that you will die 
if you eat the fruit of this tree. And then he goes on to say, you will not surely die. And then he goes on to say, God knows that if you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will be like God. Right? And that was the beginning of mind games. We know that the enemy, if he can win the battle in our minds, then he can control the rest of our lives. And today we're going to be looking at how we can guard ourselves against that. We also know that Jesus himself was not immune to the tricks of the enemy. Jesus, after the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to fast for 40 days, the Bible says he was hungry, just like any human being would be after fasting for 40 days. And the enemy came. And again, he posed the question, if you are the Son of God, then turn these stones to bread. But Jesus was not going to have any of that because he was grounded in the Word. And he countered that with the Word. And we're going to see how that will be useful even for us today. We heard last week that the Holy Spirit brings conviction by revealing the truth of the word to us. But the enemy brings condemnation with the lies that he brings before us. And we talked about repentance. Turning away from a path that seemed right to us to the path that God has called us to walk on. And so today we will be looking at how we can make sure that after we have repented, that we do not fall back or become prey to the enemy. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8-9, to 9, it says, Be alert and of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It says to resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is on, undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So we're looking at how we're going to be able to stand firm in the faith. And so our topic today is the armor of God. And this is not a new subject, of course, if you've been a Christian for at least two years, maybe one, depends on how fast you read the Bible, you would have come across this passage of scriptures in Ephesians chapter five, chapter six, rather, verse ten to twenty or twenty-one, where it talks about the armor of God. Now, before all of this, in the book, in the whole book of Ephesians, Paul speaks about the new way that believers are supposed to live. He talks about how they lived before they became believers in Jesus Christ. But then he doesn't just stop there. He didn't stop in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9. He goes on to tell them, and I'm going to read from that passage, Ephesians chapter 6, from verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In a lot of places in the scripture, it talks about being strong. And it says this as a command, right? Be strong. God told Joshua, be strong, right? 
And Paul is telling the people of Ephesus today, be strong. Well, he told them years ago. He's telling us today, be strong. It almost feels like it is something that you have control over. As if I tell, if I tell you to stand up from your seat, you have the power to stand, right? You can stand, you can walk. And so if I command someone to be strong, it means in them is the innate ability to be strong. And so God is telling them, telling us today to be strong, not in their power, but in the Lord. So if he just says be strong, it means summon up all the strength you have in you and just be strong. But then he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So it means there is a power that works in us that is able to make us strong. So when he says to be strong, he's only calling us to be what we've been empowered to be. It says to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And yes, this world is dark, just so you know. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because there is a struggle, because there is a war, because there is a there are forces that we're fighting against, it says, to put on the full armor of God. If there was no war, there would be absolutely no need to put on your armor. It's like walking about in summer with all your jackets and, and, and stuff. They will look at you as a crazy person, right? But then if it's winter and you're walking around naked or just in shorts and a t-shirt, then they think you're crazy as well. And so it calls us to, be, to put on this armor because something is going on in the spiritual realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Mikhail was trying this morning to remember all of these, but... Unfortunately, he failed. <laughs> so, Mikhail, this is for you. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you will extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be a lot, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, the armor is a covering. It is a covering that anyone that goes into battle, or at least in those days, Soldiers that were going into battle would have to put on this armor. And so it consists of different parts. And we're going to go into each of those parts. But first of all, I want to address the fact that this 
was a covering. And when I think of coverings, it takes me all the way back to, again, the Garden of Eden. The Bible tells us that Adam and Eve, at the beginning, after God created everything and saw that it was very good, it says that the man and the woman were both naked and they were not ashamed. And Jess talked about it on the first day, I believe, of the preach, about how the enemy brings shame to us. And so it says they were not ashamed. And why were they not ashamed when they were physically naked? It was because they were clothed in the glory of God. Because the Bible says that man was made in the image of God. In the likeness of God, he made them, male and female. So they had this spiritual glorious covering that although it wasn't seen by the physical eyes, they were covered spiritually. But then when sin came, it says that their eyes were open and they saw themselves naked. So the spiritual covering had been taken away and all they saw was the physical, that they were naked and they felt shame for the first time. That's what sin does to us, right? It brings shame and condemnation to us because we find ourselves falling away from God's plan and purpose for our lives. And so what they did was to sew figs together, the Bible says, to clothe themselves, to just cover their nakedness. But God, in his mercy, killed an animal, the very first sacrifice for sin, and he clothed them with the skin of that animal. But that was never going to be enough for the glorious covering that had been taken away from them. So covering is important. As believers in Jesus Christ today, when we come into relationship with God, when the breach, when the gap has been breached and we come back into communion with God, we receive this glorious covering again. We sang in the song, the last song, that God has won the war. And so the question could be, if God has won the war, then what is the point of our clothing ourselves in the armor of God? Well, the answer is simple. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And we have a spiritual war that is going on. But make no mistake, the war has been won by Jesus Christ. And so we're not fighting to gain victory over anything. We're fighting from a place of victory that we've received in Jesus Christ. When, a, when an army or a nation goes and defeats another nation or another army, they take territory. The funny thing is, they don't just say, okay, we've won the war, let's all go and sit down. No, they, they keep soldiers to stand watch. They still train people to make sure that they keep the territory that they have taken possession of. And so as believers, we have taken possession of a territory that God wants us to stand guard over. And so he says to be a lot and sober. 
And so how do we do that? By putting on the whole armor of God. Not just the part of the armor, not just two pieces, but all of it. And interestingly, it says to stand. It just, that word just got my eye every single time. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. Having done all to stand, stand. Stand firm. It's a posture, right? Someone who is victorious is standing. When Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, for the first time, actually, when... uh, Stephen was being stoned to death and he got a vision of heaven. He says, I saw Jesus, or I see Jesus rather, standing at the right hand of the Father. So standing is significant. And actually a part of that, this armor that we're going to be talking about is significant in respect to that. And it says there is a evil day that will come. It doesn't say if the evil day comes. It says when the evil day comes. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. So it is not if persecutions will come or if my faith is going to be tested. It is when my faith is going to be tested. And so that is why we stand our ground. And so what is the first thing that he talks about? He talks about the belt of truth around your waist. I was doing some studying concerning an armor and the the different pieces and what they, they signified. So the belt is basically the thing that holds everything together. So you put on the armor, you put on your belt. So it holds the, the breastplate. It also holds your Trousers or skirt, whatever they were at the time, from falling, right? (laughs) And so in the same way, everything in our lives must be anchored and must be held together by the truth, which is Jesus Christ. And the word of God is truth. Jesus said to the disciples, he was praying for them, he said, sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. And so when the enemy comes with his lies, only if our lives are anchored and held together by the truth that is Jesus, and that is in his word, can we be able to stand firm. Because what happens if a part of me is not held with my belt, for example, and my trousers are falling, I can't just stand firm. I'll have to bend and pick it up, right? But if it is held together, then I can stand. Because the enemy always comes to attack that, and he does that by coming with lies or truth issues, right? He comes sometimes with the facts. But we don't walk by facts. 
We walk by faith. We walk by the truth of the word of God. And so when your loins are girt about with truth, as you run the race, because as much as we talk about standing, soldiers are not just meant to stand, they are also meant to run. They're also meant to fight. And if you're not secured in the truth, then your fight, your fight rather will be ineffective. And so have your waist girt about with the truth of the word of God. So every single day, let your heart and your mind ruminate on the truth of the word of God. Study the word of God. Open the Bible and read the truth so you can be equipped with it. So you don't have to rely on your intuition or gut feeling or anything that you've learned from any motivational speaker, but you can depend on the Word of God because the truth of the Word of God never fails. Right? The Bible says that the flowers may wither, the grass will fall, but the Word of God endures forever. And the next thing is the breastplate of righteousness. It says to have the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now the breastplate is the, is the largest piece of the armor, right? So it covers from the neck, base of the neck, up to half of the thighs or something, or waist. And it says to have that in place. And the breastplate is that of righteousness. So let righteousness be your garment. Let your life be clothed with the righteousness of God. Let it be visible. When Adam and Eve sinned, like we said, they had a covering. Before then, they, have a, they had a covering of glory, which was that of the righteousness of God. But then they lost it. And he's calling us to have that covering back, which is that of righteousness. Because in sin, did my mother con conceive me, David said. And every human being that comes from the lineage of Adam, Cassia was reading today during our prayers, that by one man came sin. And in the same way, by one man came righteousness. And so let righteousness be our covering. Let it guard our hearts. Because the breastplate also covers your chest and keeps you from getting injuries to your heart. The Bible says that if a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old is gone and the new has come. The old garment of shame, of sin and defeat is gone. And the new garment is that of righteousness. So let that be the thing that you wear, that you cover yourself in. The righteousness of God. You take it on as a garment. Paul talks about putting off the old garment of sin and taking on the new garment of righteousness. So let that be your breastplate. Let it guard your heart. And it says to, be, to have our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel. So when I was preparing, I was like, how is this relevant? How is this a weapon? How does this help me? Well, the soldier's duty is not just to go and fight, 
is also to maintain peace, right? The, the goal of war, the old idea of war is so that unrest can come to an end and there can be a, a time of peace, right? Whatever that looks like to any nation. And so as believers, we're not just out there fighting the forces of evil. Yes, we are doing that. But in, the, in that process, we're also bringing the peace of the gospel to a falling world, to a world that is at war with our king. Now, every king has a kingdom. And in every kingdom, there are two categories of people. There's the people that accept the king's rule and therefore enjoy the favor of the king. And there are those who do not accept the king's rule and therefore enjoy the wrath of the king. Jesus is king and he's Lord over all of the earth. Over every human being, believer or non-believer. And we have been called as his soldiers to bring the gospel of peace to the non-believers. We are God's soldiers and we have a duty to wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness and bring people who have been held captive into peace with their maker. The passage uses the word stand a lot. Imagine standing on your bare feet for that long. Right? That's why we need the gospel of peace. And it says, it is in another version, it says the preparation of the gospel of peace, the readiness of the gospel of peace, the readiness to bring the gospel to my friend, the readiness to bring the gospel to my neighbor, the readiness to bring the gospel of peace to a falling and a dying world. That's why we need the shoes. And then he goes on to talk about the shield of faith. The shield of faith so you can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Actually, it was, I read as well, that in those days, the soldiers had shields that were made of animal hide. And so what they would do is they would soak the shield in water so that when the fiery darts and arrows come against them, it can really get quenched and extinguished. And that is what the Bible is telling us today as believers. The enemy is going to throw those fiery darts at us. And the only thing that we can use to defend ourselves is faith. One of the most serious darts that the enemy throws at us is that of doubt. Right? Did God really say, is there a point to all of this? But if our shields are not soaked in the word of God, then we can't be able to quench those fiery doubts. He comes with lies. He comes with temptations. But we need to be shielded with our faith. You know, the disciples, Jesus was speaking to them at some point, and and they said to him, they, they cried out to him, increase our faith. Right, Increase our faith. And the Bible tells us that after Jesus resurrected from the dead, he spent days speaking to them about the kingdom of God and thereby increasing their faith. And as believers, we need to grow in our faith as well. And we grow by dipping 
in the word, deeping in the word, being washed by the word. And then he talks about the helmet of salvation. And when we talk about mind games, this is actually my favorite part of the armor. Because the helmet protects the head. And where's the mind? The mind's in the head. Right? Well, the mind is not, uh, it's not something you can touch, okay. But the center of thinking and reasoning, right, and decision-making is in the head. And so if you can take out the head, then the body is useless, right? And so God tells us to have the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects the head. Repentance, we said last week, is a change of mind. And we're changing from a mind that is governed by sin to a mind that is governed by righteousness. And that is what salvation is. Which is very significant because, like I said, if you damage the head, you damage the rest of the body. And that's why bikers, even if they don't wear any other thing, they wear a helmet. Because they know what happens if something goes wrong with the head, right? And in the battle that we fight with the enemy, it's good that we protect our head. It's good that we protect our mind with the helmet of salvation. Paul talks about being transformed by the renewing not of our behavior, but of our mind. Because we act based on what the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. So what you do is a product of who you are up there in your mind. And so God wants us to protect our minds from the enemy. Because that's where the battle is going to take place. And if we lose that battle there, then we've lost the rest of it. And so let's cover our minds with the helmet of salvation, of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, of the transformation that takes place when we come out of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so we... we, 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 we we fight that battle with the Word of God, and we're going to talk about the sword of the Spirit, which is next. But Jesus Christ fought off the enemy with the Word of God, with the sword of the Spirit, which is the only offensive, actually, weapon that we have here. And if that is the only offensive weapon you have, and you're going to war, and you don't have a sword, all you do is Duck, 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 shield, duck, 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 shield. All you're doing is defending and defending and defending and you're not attacking. And so he calls us to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's important, it's interesting rather, that he talks about all the other things 
without specifically saying what they were. They just used that use them as metaphors, but here it talks about, it tells us exactly what the sword of the Spirit is. It says, it is the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, the Word is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It is the only thing that we can use to divide the lies of the enemy and see it for what it is. And so if we're going to win that battle, we're not just called to be on the defensive. We're called to be on the offensive. And so the devil comes to Jesus and he says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. And Jesus doesn't go, no. No, he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Back at you, enemy. Right? And then he comes again and he says, well, if you are the son of God, throw yourself from this high cliff. And as it says, he will give his angels charge over you. Jesus could have been like, oh, you're actually right. It does, say, it does say that in the Bible. Let me just throw myself. No, it says, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Then it says, bow down to me and I will give you all the kingdoms of this world. And isn't that what the enemy does with us today? The Bible says that we should not love the world or the things of this world. For everything that is in the world the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all of these things are not of the Father. And if the world, the love of the world is in us, we do not have the love of the Father. And so the enemy comes and he says, do exactly what the Bible tells you not to do. But Jesus, Jesus comes against him with the word of God. You shall not tempt the Lord your God worship the Lord alone and him only you should serve when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ when we repent as Jess told us last week we're not coming into a place of just bread and butter or walk in the park or easy life we're actually being set up for a life that is going to come on a constant attack from the kingdom of darkness. Because guess what? The enemy is not pleased when a person decides to make a decision for Christ. And so if you've been told, come to Jesus and he will make your life beautiful and peaceful and calm like the waters. As much as that happens spiritually, he also says, when you come to me, there's a lot of persecution that is waiting for you. There's a lot of trials and temptations that is waiting for you just because you made a decision for me. If you were living a mediocre Christian life or dwelling in sin and being comfortable in it, the enemy has no problems with that. 
Because why are you trying to disturb someone who is doing exactly what you want them to do? But when there is a shift in that, when there is a moving from darkness to light, darkness wants to get back what it feels and thinks it is his originally. And so God calls us to not be asleep or ignorant. He calls us to be alert of sober mind and be ready to take up our armor, to take up everything that God has given us for life and godliness. He's given us faith. He's given us righteousness. He's given us salvation. He's given us the word of God. He's given us the gospel of peace. All of these things are available to us. And all we need to do is take them up and take our stand. It says, having done everything to stand, stand. Sometimes we feel like giving up. And I feel like God is asking you today, have you done everything to stand? Have you taken hold of everything that I have given you so that you can stand? Or are you just going to take the easy way out and just give up? And yes, the work is not easy. The, the race that we've been called to is not an easy one. We will face trials. We will face persecution. But He has called us to stand. So can we stand? Just as we are standing right now, I just want you to close your eyes and just take your stand spiritually say to him God I receive everything that you've given me maybe you look at your life right now and you feel like oh I don't think that I've put in to use all of these things that God has given me I don't think I'm exercising my faith I don't think I'm walking in walking clothed in righteousness I don't think I'm my head is covered with the helmet of salvation I don't think I'm fighting off the enemy with the sword of the spirit which is the word of God I don't feel like I'm fully clothed if you that person today God is calling you today to open up and allow him to clothe you, allow him to fully clothe you, fully clothe you in his armor so that you can stand in your victory, so that you can stand in the victory that Jesus has won for us. And I just want to pray over everyone who feels defeated today. Father, I just ask today that you would renew our minds from a mindset of defeat to a mindset of victory. That we're not victims, God, that we're victors in Christ Jesus. And that if we're going to win this war in our minds, God, we need to be ready for it. And so even as we sing so joyfully, and with confidence that he has won the war, that Jesus has won the war, that we can take that and apply it to our lives, that we have won.
the war over anything the enemy can come up with. And I pray for anyone, oh God, who is yet to repent and come to that place where they can take up their spiritual armor. I pray for anyone who has not yet been transformed, translated out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light today. I pray that you will minister to their hearts, God, that they open up and let you take them on that journey. Transform them and bring them to your kingdom. So we thank you and we bless you, God. In Jesus' name.